Act One of Every Man Out of His Humor by Ben Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. To the Noblest Nurseries of Humanity and Liberty in the Kingdom, the Inns of Court. I understand you, gentlemen, not your houses, and a worthy succession of you, to all time, as being born the judges of these studies. When I wrote this poem, I had friendship with divers in your societies, who, as they were great names in learning, so they were no less examples of living. Of them, and then, that I say no more, it was not despised. Now that the printer, by a doubled charge, thinks it worthy, a longer life than commonly the heir of such things doth promise, I am careful to put it a servant to their pleasures, who are the inheritors of the first favour born it. Yet I command it lie not in the way of your more noble and useful studies to the public, for so I shall suffer for it. But when the gown and cap is off, and the lord of liberty reigns, then, to take it in your hands, perhaps may make some venture, tincted with humanity, read, and not repent him. By your true honourer, Ben Johnson. Dramatis Personae. Asper, read by Nemo. Massalente, read by Eva Davis. Puntarvolo, read by Josh Kibbe. Carlo Buffone, read by Thomas Peter. Fastidious Brisk, read by Brad. Devero, read by Todd. Phallus, read by Sonia. Saviolina, read by phone sordido read by chris pyle fungoso read by aaron white sagliardo read by elijah fisher cavalier shift read by devora allen notary read by zames curran clove read by nemo orange read by t j burns cordatus read by lianya Mitis, read by Alan Mapstone. Prologue, read by Todd. Hind, read by Stefan. Senado, read by Larry Wilson. Gentlewoman, read by phone. Lady Puntavalo, read by Linda Olson Vitak. Fido, read by Jim Locke. Taylor read by beth thomas first rustic read by sandra schmidt second rustic read by lex hankins third rustic read by elsie selwyn fourth rustic read by april six zero nine zero fifth rustic read by son of the exiles musician read by phone haberdasher read by nemo groom read by lex hankins george read by larry wilson constable read by nemo drawer read by abai servant read by elijah fisher sage directions read by campbell shelp the characters of the persons asper he is of an ingenious and free spirit eager and constant in reproof without fear controlling the world's abuses 
one whom no servile hope of gain or frosty apprehension of danger can make to be a parasite either to time place or opinion macalenti a man well parted a sufficient scholar and travailed who wanting that place in the world's account which he thinks his merit capable of falls into such an envious apoplexy with which his judgment is so dazzled and distasted that he grows violently impatient of any opposite happiness in another puntarvolo a vainglorious knight over-englishing his travels and wholly consecrated to singularity the very jacob's staff of compliment a sir that hath lived to see the revolution of time in most of his apparel of presents good enough but so palpably affected to his own praise that for want of flatterers he commends himself to the flautage of his own family he deals upon returns and strange performances resolving in despite of public derision to stick to his own fashion phrase and gesture carlo buffon a public scurrilous and profane jester that more swift than cirque with absurd similes will transform any person into deformity a good feast hound or banquet beagle that will send you out a supper some three miles off and swear to his patrons damn him he came in oars when he was but wafted over in a scholar a slave that hath an extraordinary gift in pleasing his palate and will swill up more sack at a sitting than would make all the guard a posset his religion is railing in his discourse ribaldry fastidious brisk a neat spruce affecting courtier one that wears clothes well and now in fashion practiseth by his glass how to salute speaks good remnants notwithstanding the base vile and tobacco swears tersely and with variety cares not what lady's favor he belies or great man's familiarity a good property to perfume the boot of a coach he will borrow another man's horse to praise and backs him as his own or for need on foot can post himself into credit with his merchant only with the jingle of his spur and the jerk of his wand deliro a good doting citizen who it is thought might be of the common counsel for his wealth a fellow sincerely besotted on his own wife and so wrapped with the conceit of her perfections that he simply holds himself unworthy of her and in that hoodwinked humour lives more like a suitor than a husband standing in as true dread of her displeasure as when he first made love to her he doth sacrifice two pence in juniper to her every morning before she rises and wakes her with villainous out-of-tune music which she out of her contempt though not out of her judgment is sure to dislike Fallis, deliro's wife and idol the proud mincing peat and as perverse as he is officious she dotes as perfectly upon the courtier as her husband doth on her and only wants the face to be dishonest saviolina a court lady whose weightiest praise is the light wit admired by herself and one more her servant brisk sordido a wretched hobnailed chuff whose recreation is reading of almanacs and felicity foul weather one that never prayed but for a lean dearth and ever wept in fat harvest bungoso the son of sordido and a student one that has reveled in his time and follows the fashion afar off like a spy he makes it the whole bent of his endeavours to wring sufficient means from his wretched father to put him in the courtier's cut at which he earnestly aims but so unluckily that he still lights short a suit sagliardo 
an essential clown brother to sordido yet so enamoured of the name of a gentleman that he will have it though he buys it he comes up every term to learn to take tobacco and see new motions he is in his kingdom when in company where he may well be laughed at shift a threadbare shark one that never was a soldier yet lives upon lendings his profession is scaldering and oddling his bank palls and his warehouse pick thatch takes up single testins upon oaths till doomsday falls under executions of three shillings and enters into five groat bonds he waylays the reports of services and cons them without book damning himself he came new from them when all the while he was taking the diet in the body house or lay pond in his chamber for rent and victuals he is of that admirable and happy memory that he will salute one for an old acquaintance that he never saw in his life before he usurps upon cheats quarrels and robberies which he never did only to get him a name his chief exercises are taking the whiff squiring a cockatrice and making privy searches for imparters clove and orange an inseparable case of coxcombs city-born the gemini or twins of foppery that like a pair of wooden foils are fit for nothing but to be practised upon being well flattered they'll lend money and repent when they have done their glory is to invite players and make suppers and in company of better rank to avoid the suspect of insufficiency will enforce their ignorance most desperately to set upon the understanding of anything orange is the most humorous of the two whose small portion of juice being squeezed out clove serves to stick him with commendations cordatus the author's friend a man inly acquainted with the scope and drift of his plot of a discreet and understanding judgment and has the place of a moderator midas is a person of no action and therefore we afford him no character the stage after the second sounding enter cordatus asper and midas nay my dear asper stay your mind away who is so patient of this impious world that he can check his spirit or rein his tongue or who hath such a dead unfeeling sense that heaven's horrid thunders cannot wake to see the earth cracked with the weight of sin hell gaping under us and o'er our heads black ravenous ruin with their sail stretched wings ready to sink us down and cover us who can behold such prodigies as these and have his lips sealed up not i my soul was never ground into such oily colours to flatter vice and daub iniquity but with an armed and resolved hand i'll strip the ragged follies of the time naked as at their birth be not too bold you trouble me and with a whip of steel print wounding lashes in their iron ribs i fear no mood stamped in a private brow when i am pleased to unmask a public vice i fear no strumpet's drugs nor ruffian's stab should i detect their hateful luxuries no broker's usurers or lawyer's gripe were i disposed to say they are all corrupt i fear no courtier's frown 
should i applaud the easy flexure of his supple hams tut these are so innate and popular that drunken custom would not shame to laugh in scorn at him that should but dare to tax em and yet not one of these but knows his works knows what damnation is the devil and hell yet hourly they persist grow rank in sin puffing their souls away in perjurious air to cherish their extortion pride or lust forbear good asper be not like your name no but to such whose faces are all zeal and with the words of hercules invade such crimes as these that will not smell of sin but seem as they were made of sanctity religion in their garments and their hair cut shorter than their eyebrows when the conscience is vaster than the ocean and devours more wretches than the counters gentle asper contain your spirits in more stricter bounds and be not thus transported with the violence of your strong thoughts unless your breath had power to melt the world and mould it new again it is in vain to spend it in these moods asper turning to the stage i observed not this thronged round till now gracious and kind spectators you are welcome apollo and muses feast your eyes with graceful objects and may our minerva answer your hopes unto their largest strain yet here mistake me not judicious friends i do not this to beg your patience or servilely to fawn on your applause like some dry brain despairing in his merit let me be censured by the austerest brow where i want art or judgment tax me freely let envious censors with their broadest eyes look through and through me i pursue no favour only vouchsafe me your attentions and i will give you music worth your ears oh how i hate the monstrousness of time where every servile imitating spirit plagued with an itching leprosy of wit and a mere halting fury strives to fling his ulcerous body in the thespian spring and straight leaps forth a poet but as lame as vulcan or the founder of cripplegate in faith this humour will come ill to some you will be thought to be too peremptory this humour good and why this humour metis nay do not turn but answer answer what i will not stir your patience pardon me i urged it for some reasons and the rather to give these ignorant well-spoken days some taste of their abuse of this word humour oh do not let your purpose fall good asper it cannot but arrive most acceptable chiefly to such as have the happiness daily to see how the poor innocent word is racked and tortured ay i pray you proceed ha what what is it for the abuse of humour 
oh i crave pardon i had lost my thoughts why humour as tis ends we thus define it to be a quality of air or water and in itself holds these two properties moisture and fluxure as for demonstration pour water on this floor twill wet and run likewise the air forced through a horn or trumpet flows instantly away and leaves behind a kind of dew and hence we do conclude that whatsoe'er hath fluxure in humidity as wanting power to contain itself is humour so in every human body the choler melancholy phlegm in blood by reason that they flow continually in some one part and are not continent receive the name of humours now thus far it may by metaphor apply itself unto the general disposition as when some one peculiar quality doth so possess a man that it doth draw all his effects his spirits and his powers and their confluxions all to run one way this may be truly said to be a humour but that a rook by wearing a pied feather the cable hat-band or the three-piled ruff a yard of shoe-tie or the switzer's knot on his french garters should affect a humour oh it is more than most ridiculous he speaks pure truth now if an idiot have but an apish or fantastic strain it is his humour well i will scourge those apes and to these courteous eyes oppose a mirror as large as is the stage whereon we act where they shall see the time's deformity anatomized in every nerve and sinew with constant courage and contempt of fear asper i urge it as your friend take heed the days are dangerous full of exception and men are grown impatient of reproof ha <laughs> ha you might as well have told me yond is heaven this earth these men in all had moved alike do not i know the time's condition yes metis and their souls and who they be that either will or can accept against me none but a sort of fools so sick in taste that they contemn all physic of the mind and like galled camels kick at every touch good men and virtuous spirits that loathe their vices will cherish my free labours love my lines and with the fervour of their shining grace make my brain fruitful to bring forth more objects worthy their serious and intentive eyes but why enforce i this as fainting no if any here chance to behold himself let him not dare to challenge me of wrong for if he shame to have his follies known first he should shame to act em my strict hand was made to seize on vice and with a gripe squeeze out the humour of such spongy souls as lick up every idle vanity why this is right furor poeticus kind gentlemen 
we hope your patience will yet conceive the best or entertain the supposition that a madman speaks what are you ready there Medus, sit down and my cordatus sound ho and begin i leave you two as censors to sit here observe what i present and liberally speak your opinions upon every scene as it shall pass the view of these spectators nay now ye are tedious sirs for shame begin and meanest note me if in all this front you can espy a gallant of this mark who to be thought one of the judicious sits with his arms thus wreathed his hat pulled here cries mew and nods then shakes his empty head will show more several motions in his face than the new london rome or nineveh and now and then breaks a dry biscuit jest which that it may more easily be chewed he steeps in his own laughter why will that make it be sooner swallowed oh assure you or if it did not yet as horace sings mean cates are welcome still to hungry guests tis true but why should we observe them asper oh i would know em for in such assemblies they are more infectious than the pestilence therefore i would give them pills to purge and make them fit for fair societies how monstrous and detested it is to see a fellow that has neither art nor brain sit like an aristarchus or start ass taking men's lines with a tobacco face and snuff still spitting using his ride looks in nature of a vice to rest and turn the good aspect of those that shall sit near him from what they do behold oh tis most vile nay esper peace Medus. i do know your thought you'll say your guest here will accept at this pish you are too timorous and full of doubt then he a patient shall reject all physic cause the physician tells him you are sick or if i say that he is vicious you will not hear of virtue come you are fond shall i be so extravagant to think that happy judgments and composed spirits will challenge me for taxing such as these i am ashamed nay but good pardon us we must not bear this peremptory sail but to use our best endeavours how to please why therein i commend your careful thoughts and i will mix with you in industry to please but whom attentive auditors such as will join their profit with their pleasure and come to feed their understanding parts for these i'll prodigally spread myself and speak away my spirit into air for these i'll melt my brain into invention coin new conceits and hang my richest words as polished jewels in their bounteous ears but stay i lose myself and wrong their patience if i dwell here they'll not begin i see friends sit you still and entertain this troop with some familiar and by conference i'll hast them sound now gentlemen 
i go to turn an actor and a humorist where ere i do resume my present person we hope to make the circles of your eyes flow with distilled laughter if we fail we must impute it to this only chance art hath an enemy called ignorance exit how do you like his spirit mytis i should like it much better if he were less confident why do you suspect his merit no but i fear this will procure him much envy oh that sets the stronger seal on his desert if he had no enemies i should esteem his fortunes most wretched at this instant you have seen his play cordatus pray you how is it faith sir i must refrain to judge only this i can say of it tis strange and of a particular kind by itself somewhat like vetus commodia a work that hath bounteously pleased me how it will answer the general expectation i know not does he observe all the laws of comedy in it what laws mean you why the equivision of it into acts and scenes according to the terentian manner his true number of actors the furnishing of a scene with grex or chorus and that the whole argument fall within the compass of a day's business no oh, no these are two nice observations they are such as must be received by your favour or it cannot be authentic troth i can discern no such necessity no no i assure you senor if those laws you speak of had been delivered us ab initio and in their present virtue and perfection there had been some reason of obeying their powers but is extant that that which we call commedia was at first nothing but a simple and continued song sung by one only person till cesario invented a second after him epicarmus a third formus and Cyonides devised to have four actors with a prologue and chorus to which cratinus long after added a fifth and sixth eupolis more aristophanes more than they every man in the dignity of his spirit and judgment supplied something and though that in him this kind of poem appeared absolute and fully perfect yet how is the face of it changed since in menander philemon cecilius plautus and the rest who have utterly excluded the chorus altered the property of the persons their names and natures and augmented it with all liberty according to the elegancy and disposition of those times wherein they wrote i see not then but we should enjoy the same license or free power to illustrate and heighten our invention as they did and not be tied to those strict and regular forms which the niceness of a few who are nothing but form would thrust upon us well we will not dispute of this now but what's his scene marry insula fortunata sir oh the fortunate isle mass he has bound himself to a strict law there why so he cannot lightly alter the scene without crossing the seas he needs not having a whole island to run through i think no how comes it then that in some one play we see so many seas countries and kingdoms 
passed over with such admirable dexterity oh that but shows how well the authors can travel in their vocation and outrun the apprehension of their auditory but leaving this i would they would begin at once this protraction is able to sour the best settled patients in the theatre the third sounding they have answered your wish sir they sound oh here comes the prologue enter prologue now sir if you had stayed a little longer i meant to have spoke your prologue for you in faith mary with all my heart sir you shall do it yet and i thank you going nay nay stay stay hear you you could not have studied to have done me a greater benefit at the instant for i protest to you i am imperfect and had i spoke it i must of necessity have been out why but do you speak this seriously seriously ah which my help do i and esteem myself indebted to your kindness for it for what why for undertaking the prologue for me how did i undertake it for you did you i appeal to all these gentlemen whether you did or no come come it pleases you to cast a strange look on't now but twill not serve for me but it must serve and therefore speak your prologue and i do let me die poisoned with some venomous hiss and never live to look as high as the two-penny room again exit he has put you to it sir stuff what a humorous fellow is this gentlemen good faith i can speak no prologue howsoever his weak wit has had the fortune to make this strong use of me here before you but i protest enter carlo buffone followed by a boy with wine come come leave these fustian protestations away come i cannot abide these grey-headed ceremonies boy fetch me a glass quickly i may bid these gentlemen welcome give them a health here exit boy i marvel whose wit it was to put a prologue in yon sackbut's mouth they might well think he'd be out of tune and yet you'd play upon him too hang him dull block oh good words good words a well-timbered fellow he would have made a good column on he had been thought on when the house was a-building re-enter boy with glasses oh art thou come well said give me boy filled so here's a cup of wine sparkles like a diamond gentlewoman i am sworn to put them in first and gentlemen around in place of a bad prologue i drink this good draught to your health here canary the very elixir in spirit of wine drinks this is that our poet calls castalian liquor when he comes abroad now and then once in a fortnight and makes a good meal among players where he is caninum appetitum mary at home he keeps a good philosophical diet beans and buttermilk an honest pure rogue he will dig you off three four five of these one after another and look villainously when he is done like a one-headed cerberus <laughs> he does not hear me i hope <laughs> and when when his belly is well balanced and his brain rigged a little he snares away with all as though he would work wondrous when he comes home he has made a play here and he calls it every man out of his humour <laughs> but any get me out of the humour he has put me in i'll trust none of his tribe again when i live gentles all i can say for him is you are welcome i could wish my bottle here amongst you but there is an old rule no pledging your own health 
Mary, if any he'll be thirsty for it, their best way that I know is sit still, steal up their lips, and drink so much of the play in at their ears. <laughs> Exit. What may this fellow be, Cordatus? Faith, if the time will suffer his description, I'll give it to you. He is one. The author calls him Carlo Buffone. An impudent common jester, a violent railer, and an incomprehensible epicure. One whose company is desired of all men, but beloved of none. He will sooner lose his soul than a jest, and profane even the most holy things, to excite laughter. No honourable or reverend personage whatsoever can come within the reach of his eye, but is turned into all manner of variety by his adulterate similes. You paint forth a monster! He will prefer all countries before his native, and thinks he can never sufficiently, or with admiration enough, deliver his affectionate conceit of foreign atheistical policies. But stay. Enter Macalenti. Observe these. He'll appear himself anon. Oh, this is your envious man, Macalenti, I think. The same, sir. Act One. Scene One. The Country. Enter Macalenti with a book. Veri est, a fortunae cacetetum bachelae fere. Tis true, but stoic, where in the vast world doth that man breathe that can so much command his blood and his affection? Well, I see, I strive in vain to cure my wounded soul, for every cordial that my thoughts apply turns to a corsive and doth eat it farther. There is no taste in this philosophy. Tis like a potion that a man should drink but turns his stomach with the sight of it. I am no such pilled cynic to believe that beggary is the only happiness, or with a number of these patient fools to sing, My mind to me a kingdom is. When the lank hungry belly barks for food, I look into the world, and there I meet with objects that do strike my bloodshot eyes into my brain where, when I view myself, having before observed this man is great, mighty, and feared, that loved and highly favoured, a third thought wise and learned, a fourth rich, and therefore honoured, a fifth rarely featured, a sixth admired for his nuptial fortunes. When I see these, I say, and view myself, I wish the organs of my sight were cracked, and that the engine of my grief could cast mine eyeballs like two globes of wildfire forth to melt this unproportioned frame of nature. Oh, they are thoughts that have transfixed my heart, and often, in the strength of apprehension, made my cold passion stand upon my face like drops of dew on a stiff cake of ice. This alludes well to that of the poet. In vida suspirat, Gimit, in cotitque dentis, sudat frigidus, in tuens quod audit. Oh, peace! You break the scene. Enter Sagliardo and Carlo Buffone. Soft, who be these? I'll lay me down a while till they be past. Lies down. Signor, not this gallant, I pray you. What is he? A tame rook. You'll take him presently. List. Nay, look you, Carlo, this is my humour now. 
i have land and money my friends let me well and i will be a gentleman whatsoever it costs me a most gentlemanlike resolution tot and i take in humour of a thing once i am like your tailor's needle i go through but for my name signor how think you will it not serve for a gentleman's name when the signor is put to it ha let me hear how is it signor in solso sagliardo methinks it sounds well oh excellent tut and all fit to your name you might very well stand for a gentleman i know many sogliardos gentlemen why and for my wealth i might be a justice of peace ay and a constable for your wit all this is my lordship you see and those farms you came by good steps to gentility too mary but sogliardo if you affect to be a gentleman indeed you must observe all the rare qualities humours and compliments of a gentleman i know it signor and if you please to instruct i'm not too good to learn i'll assure you enough sir aside i'll make admirable use in the projection of my medicine upon this lump of copper here i'll bethink me for you sir Signor i will both pay you and pray you and thank you and think on you is this not purely good splud why should such a prick-eared hind as this be rich huh a fool such a transparent gull that may be seen through wherefore should he have land houses and lordships oh i could eat my entrails and sink my soul into the earth with sorrow first to be an accomplished gentleman that is a gentleman of the time you must give over housekeeping in the country and live altogether in the city amongst gallants where at your first appearance to your good you turned four or five hundred acres of your best land into two or three trunks of a barrel you may do it without going to a conjurer and be sure you mix yourself still with such as flourish in the spring of the fashion and are least popular study their carriage and behaviour in all learn to play at primero and passage and ever when you lose have two or three peculiar oaths to swear by that no man else swears but above all protest in your play and affirm upon your credit as you are a true gentleman at every cast you may do it with a safe conscience i warrant you oh admirable rare he cannot choose but be a gentleman that has these excellent gifts more more i beseech you you must endeavour to feed cleanly at your ordinary sit melancholy and pick your teeth when you cannot speak and when you come to plays be humorous look with a good starched face and ruffle your brow like a new boot laugh at nothing but your own jests or else as the nobleman laugh that is special grace you must observe i warrant you sir ay and sit on the stage and flout provided you have a good suit oh i'll have a suit only for that sir you must talk much of your kindred and allies lies no signor i shall not need to do so i have kindred in the city to talk of i have a niece is a merchant's wife and a nephew my brother Sudido's son of the inns of court huh 
but you must pretend alliance with courtiers and great persons and ever when you are to dine or sup in any strange presence hire a fellow with a great chain though it be copper it's no matter to bring you letters feigned from such a nobleman or such a knight or such a lady to their worshipful right rare nobly qualified friend and kinsman signor insulso sugardo give yourself style enough and there while you intend circumstances of news or inquiry of the health or so one of your familiars whom you must carry about you still breaks it up as twere in a jest and reads it publicly at the table at which you must seem to take as unpardonable offence as if he had torn your mistress's collars or breathed upon her picture and pursue it with that hot grace as if you would advance a challenge upon it presently stay i do not like that humour of challenge it may be accepted but i'll tell you what's my humour now i will do this i will take occasion of sending one of my suits to the tailors to have the pocket repaired or so and there's such a litter as you talk of broke opened and all shall be left oh the tailor will presently give out what i am upon the reading of it worth twenty of your gallants but then you must put on an extreme face of discontentment at your man's negligence oh so i will and beat him too i'll have a man for the purpose you may you have land and crowns a partial fate mass well remembered you must keep your men gallant at the first fine pied livery is laid with good gold lace there's no loss in it they may rip it off and pawn it when they lack victuals. by your lady that is chargeable signor twill bring a man in debt debt why that's the more for your credit sir it's an excellent policy to owe much in these days if you know it as how good signor i would fain be a politician oh look where you are indebted any great sum your creditor observes you with no less regard than if he were bound to you for some huge benefit and will quake to give you the least cause of offence lest he lose his money i assure you in these times no man has his servant more obsequious and pliant than gentlemen their creditors to whom if at any time you pay but a moiety or a fourth part it comes more acceptably than if you gave them a new year's gift I perceive you, sir. I will take up and bring myself in credit. Sure. Marry this. Always beware your commerce not with bankrupts or poor needy Ludgatians. They are impudent creatures, turbulent spirits. They care not what violent tragedies they stir, nor how they play fast and loose with a poor gentleman's fortunes to get their own. Marry. These rich fellows that have the world, or the better part of it, sleeping in their counting-houses they are ten times more placable they either fear hope or modesty restrains them from offering any outrages but this is nothing to your followers you shall not run a penny more in arrearage for them and you list yourself no how should i keep them then keep him said blood let them keep themselves they are no sheep are they but you shall come in houses where plate apparel jewels and divers other pretty commodities lie negligently scattered and i would have those mercuries follow me i trow should remember they had not their fingers for nothing that's not so good methinks why after you have kept them a fortnight or so and showed them enough to the world you may turn them away and keep no more but a boy it's enough 
Nay, my humor is not for boys. I'll keep men, and I keep any, and I'll give coats. That's my humor. But I lack a cullison. Why, now you ride to the city, you may buy one. I'll bring you where you shall have your choice for money. Can you, sir? Oh, aye, you shall have one take measure of you, and make you a coat of arms to fit you, of what fashion you will. By word of mouth, I thank you, signor. I'll be once a little prodigal in a humor, I faith, and have a most prodigious coat. Torment and death, brickhead and brain, at once, to be delivered of your fighting issue. Who can endure to see blind fortune dote thus, to be enamored on this dusty turf, this clod, a horse, and puck-fist? Oh, God, I could run wild with grief now to behold the rankness of her bounties, that doth breed such bulrushes, these mushroom gentlemen that shoot up in a night to place and worship. Carlo, seeing Macalenti. Let him alone, some stray, some stray. Nay, I will examine him before I go, sure. The lord of the soil has all whiffs and strays here, has he not? Yes, sir. Carlo aside. Faith, then I pity the poor fellow. He's fallen into a fool's hands. Sirrah, who gave you a commission to lie in my lordship? Your lordship. How? My lordship? Do you know me, sir? I do know you, sir. Carlo, aside. He answers him like an echo. Why, who am I, sir? One of those that fortune favors. Carlo, aside. The pairy phrases of a fool. I'll observe this better. That fortune favors. How mean you by that, friend? I mean simply that you are one that lives not by your wits. By my wits? No, sir, I scorn to live by my wits. I, I have better means, I tell thee, than to take such base courses as to live by my wits. What dost thou think I will live by my wits? Methinks, Jester, you should not relish this well. Ha! Does he know me? Though yours be the worst use a man can put his wit to, of thousands to prostitute it at every tavern and ordinary, yet methinks you should have turned your broadside at this, and have been ready with an apology, able to sink this hulk of ignorance into the bottom and depth of his contempt. Ah, tis macerente. Signor, you are well encountered. How is it? Aside to Macalenti. Ha! They must not regard what he says, man, a trout, a shallow fool. He has no more brain than a butterfly, a mere stuffed suit. He looks like a musty bottle new wicket. His head's the cork. Light, light. I am glad to see you so well returned, signor. Um, you are a gramercy, good Janus. Is he one of your acquaintance? I love him the better for that. Oh, it's precious. Come away, man. What do you mean? And you knew him as I do. You'd shun him as you would do the plague. Why, sir? Oh, he's a black fellow. Take heed of him. Is he a scholar or a soldier? Both, both. A lean mongrel. He looks as if he were a chop-fallen, with barking at other men's good fortunes. 
where how you offend him he carries oil and fire in his pen will scald where red drops his spirit is like powder quick violent he'll blow a man up with a jest i fear him worse than a rotten wall as a cannon shaken out after the report away come not near him for god's sake let's be gone and he be a scholar you know i cannot abide him i had as lee see a cockatrice specially as cockatrices go now what you'll stay senor this gentleman's odiardo and i are to visit the knight puntervolo and from thence to the city we shall meet there exit with sagliardo ay when i cannot shun you we will meet uh, tis strange of all the creatures i have seen i envy not this buffon eh? for indeed neither his fortunes nor his parts deserve it but i do hate him as i hate the devil or that breast-visaged monster barbarism oh tis an open-throated black-mouthed cur that bites at all but eats on those that feed him a slave that to your face will serpent-like creep on the ground as he would eat the dust and to your back will turn the tail and sting more deadly than the scorpion stay who's this now for my soul another minion of the old lady chances unobserve him enter sordido with an almanac in his hand oh rare good 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 i thank my stars i thank my stars for it macalenti aside said i not true doth not his passion speak out of my divination oh my senses why lost you not your powers and become dulled if not deaded with this spectacle i know him it is sordido the farmer a boar and brother to that swine was here excellent 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 as i would wish as i would wish see how the strumpet fortune tickles him and makes him swoon with laughter ho 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 ha 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 i will not sow my grounds this year let me see what harvest shall we have june july what is the prognostication wraps him so the twentieth twenty-first twenty-second days rain and wind oh good good the twenty-third and the twenty-fourth rain and some wind good the twenty-fifth rain good still twenty-sixth twenty-seventh twenty-eighth wind and some rain would it had been rain and some wind well tis good when it can be no better twenty-ninth inclining to rain inclining to rain that's not so good now thirtieth and thirty-first wind and no rain no rain slid stay this is worse and worse what says he of st swithin's turn back look st swithin's no rain oh here's a precious dirty damned rogue that bats himself with expectation of rotten weather and unseasoned hours and he is rich for it an elder brother his barns are full his ricks and mows well trod his garners crack with store ah oh, tis well <laughs> a plague consume thee and thy house oh here st swithin's the fifteenth day variable weather for the most part rain good for the most part rain why it should rain forty days after now more or less it was a rule held afore i was able to hold a plough and yet here are two days no rain it makes me muse we'll see how the next month begins if that be better august first second third and fourth days rain and blustering this is well now fifth sixth seventh eighth and ninth 
rainy with some thunder. Ah, Mary, this is excellent. The other was false printed, sure. The tenth and eleventh, great store of rain. Oh, good, good, good. The twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth days. Rain. Good still. Fifteenth and sixteenth. Rain. Good still. Seventeenth and eighteenth. Rain. Good still. Nineteenth and twentieth. Good still. Good still. Good still. Good still. Good still. Twenty-first. Some rain. Some rain. Well, we must be patient and attend the heaven's pleasure. Would it were more, though. The twenty-second, twenty-third. Great tempest of rain. Thunder and lightning. Oh, good again. Past expectation good. I thank my blessed angel. Never, never laid I a penny better out than this. To purchase this dear book. Not dear for price, and yet of me as dearly prized as life. Since in it is contained the very life, blood, strength, and sinews of my happiness. Blessed be the hour wherein I bought this book. His studies happy that composed the book. And the man fortunate that sold the book. Sleep with this charm, and be as true to me. As I am joyed and confident in thee. Puts it up. Enter a hind, and gives Sordido a paper to read. <laughs> Is this not good? Is not pleasing this? Ah, <laughs> oh, God pardon me. Is it possible that such a spacious villain should live and not be plagued? Or lies behid within the wrinkled bosom of the world where heaven cannot see him? Sblood! Methinks tis rare and strange that he should breathe and walk, feed with digestion, sleep, enjoy his health, and, like a boisterous whale swallowing the poor, shall swim in wealth and pleasure. It's not strange, unless his house and skin were thunderproof, I wonder at it. Methinks now the hectic gout, leprosy, or some such loathed disease might light upon him of that fire from heaven might fall upon his barns or mice and rats eat up his grain or else that it might rot within the hoary ricks even as it stands methinks this might be well and after all the devil might come and fetch him ay tis true meantime he surfeits in prosperity and thou in envy of him gnawest thyself peaceful get hence and tell thy vexed spirit wealth in this age will scarcely look on merit rises and exit who brought this same sirrah mary sir one of the justice's men he says tis a precept and all their hands be at it ay and the prince of them stick in my flesh deeper than in their letters they have sent me pills wrapped in paper here that should i take them would poison all the sweetness of my book and turn my honey into hemlock juice but I am wiser than to serve their precepts, or follow their prescriptions. Here's a device to charge me bring my grain unto the markets. I much, when I have neither barn nor garner, nor earth to hit it in, I'll bring it. Till then, each corn I send shall be as big as Paul's. Oh, but some say the poor are like to starve. Well, let them starve, what's that to me? Are bees bound to keep life in drones and idle moths? No. Why such are these that turn themselves to poor only because they would be pitied, but are indeed a sort of lazy beggars, licentious rogues and sturdy vagabonds, bred by the sloth of a fat plenteous year, like snakes in heat of summer out of dung. And this is all these cheap times are good for, whereas a wholesome and penurious dearth purges the soil of such vile excrements and kills the vipers up. Oh, but, master, take heed, they hear you not. Why so? 
they will exclaim against you ay their exclaims move me as much as their breath moves a mountain poor worms they hiss at me whilst i at home can be contented to applaud myself to sit and clap my hands and laugh and leap knocking my head against my roof with joy to see how plump my bags are and my barns sir go hie you home and bid your fellows get all their flails ready again i come i will sir exit i'll instantly set all my hinds to thrashing of a whole rick of corn which i will hide under the ground and with the straw thereof i'll stuff the outsides of my other mows that done i'll have them empty all my garners and in the friendly earth bury my store that when the searchers come they may suppose all spent and that my fortunes were belied and to lend more opinion to my want and stop that many-mouthed vulgar dog which else would still be baying at my door each market-day i will be seen to buy part of the purest wheat as for my household when it comes it shall increase my heaps twill yield me treble gain at this dear time promised in this dear book i have cast all till then i will not sell an ear i'll hang first oh i shall make my prices as i list my house and i can feed on peas and barley what though a world of wretches starve the while he that will thrive must think no courses vile exit now signor how approve you this have the humorists expressed to themselves truly or no yes if it be well prosecuted tis hitherto happy enough but methinks macilenti went hence too soon he might have been made to stay and speak somewhat in reproof of sordido's wretchedness now at the last oh no that had been extremely improper besides he had continued the scene too long with him as twas being in no more action you may enforce the length as a necessary reason but for propriety the scene would very well have borne it in my judgment oh worst of both why you mistake his humour utterly then how do i mistake it is it not envy yes but you must understand signor he envies him not as he is a villain a wolf in the commonwealth but as he is rich and fortunate for the true condition of envy is dolor ilenie felicitatis to have our eyes continually fixed upon another man's prosperity that is his chief happiness and to grieve at that whereas if we make his monstrous and abhorred actions our object the grief we take then comes nearer the nature of hate than envy as being bred out of a kind of contempt and loathing in ourselves so you'll infer it had been hate not envy in him to reprehend the humour of sordido right for what a man truly envies in another he could always love and cherish in himself but no man truly reprehends in another what he loves in himself therefore reprehension is out of his hate and this distinction hath he himself made in a speech there if you marked it where he says i envy not this buffoon but i hate him stay sir i envy not this buffoon but i hate him why might he not as well have hated sordido as him no sir there was subject for his envy in sordido his wealth so was there not in the other he stood possessed of no one eminent gift but a most odious and fiend-like disposition that would turn charity itself into hate much more envy 
for the present you have satisfied me sir oh here comes the fool and the jester again methinks twere pity they should be parted sir what bright shining gallants that with them the night they went to no sir this is one monsieur fastidious brisk otherwise called the fresh frenchified courtier a humorist too as humorous as quicksilver do but observe him the scene is the country still remember end of act one